Welcome, writers, game masters, and creatives to the World Builders Tavern! Today we are talking about the TV series Avatar The Last Airbender, so be warned, there will be spoilers. Grab an ale and pull up a chair. I'm Emma, your friendly barkeep, along with Allison. Hello. And Christiana. Hi. And we are so happy to have you here. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. A uh, quick housekeeping note, you may notice that my audio is once again a little bit weird. Uh, we do not record all of these episodes in order, so that's why it's kind of going back and forth between good <laughs> audio and weird audio. But this should be the last weird audio episode. Thank you so much for bearing with us as I have moved continents. Um, but with that, let's get into talking about what you're all here for, which is Avatar The Last Airbender. For those of you who don't know or need a bit of a refresher, Avatar is set in an Asiatic-inspired world in which some people can telekinetically manipulate one of the four elements, water, earth, fire, or air, through practices known as bending. Uh, the only individual who can bend all four elements, the Avatar, is responsible for maintaining harmony across the world's four nations and serves as the link between the physical world and the spirit world. This series is centered around the journey of 12-year-old Aang, the current Avatar and last survivor of his nation, the Air Nomads, with his friends Katara, Sokka, and Toph, as they strive to end the Fire Nation's war against the other nations and defeat the Fire Lord before he conquers the world. Dun, dun, dun. I would like to argue with this explanation. Oh. Bending is not telekinetic oh. because it, it also involves uh, martial arts and motion. Yes. I don't think you can bend if yeah. you can't move. Mm, interesting. Um, so uh, that's one thing that I really love about the magic system. So I have to insert that little caveat yeah. there. Mm. <laughs> I would maybe say that it's still telekinetic, but you're just channeling your telekinetic abilities through the motions. Uh, but I, it, I yeah. guess it's unclear. <laughs> I feel like I could yeah. a, a paraplegic bend. Yeah. I, I'm Ooh. not sure. This, yeah, it's true. We haven't seen that. So this feels like the argument between wizard versus sorcerer. Like one person uses spells <laughs> and one person just does that kind of thing. So at the end of the day, they're both it magic is, wielders. Yeah. So it, yeah. it is implied that you need to move in the show when mm -hmm. Boomy is completely um, like incarcerated. Mm -hmm. But then he bends anyway, even though he is um all chained up or um not oh, chained yeah. up. he's in like a a block of yeah. metal or something yeah um so i so it is unclear uh yeah but martial arts That's do true. seem to be a really big part of it and like you need to memorize certain yes. motions and stuff to do certain moves yeah. uh which i find really fun and interesting mm -hmm. yeah let's jump on that as our first world building thing i love oh that as world building like yes. physical motions connected to magic um and inspired by martial arts is very cool yeah, i mean there are some disability implications yeah. there like can if you are disabled and in a wheelchair can you bend yeah uh, i don't know yeah 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 but, but I, uh there is one of my most dis favorite disabled characters in this show so. yes yes toff i'm assuming you're speaking about Yes. yes. She's amazing. Um, Toph is, is a blind earthbender for those who yes. are not familiar so with the show. So she can move. She just can't see. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think um, actually kind of the idea, what I found myself, so I will start this off by saying um, I've been meaning to watch Avatar The Last Airbender for many, many years because being a big giant dork, 
involved in big giant dork things. Everyone's constantly telling me I need to watch it and I've been putting it off because I know it's like a kid's show and I'm a horrible, disgusting little freak who loves horror movies and stuff. And I'm like, I know I'm probably not going to lose my mind for it. Um, but I actually found it the most um, realistic, I guess I could say, or at least most believable explanation of like training magic, if that makes sense. When people are like, uh, you know, so frequently in fantasy novels, you hear things like you just have to dig down into the well of power that exists within you. Yeah. And that's such like a hard thing for me to imagine. Whereas the idea of kind of training yourself to do certain movements and move your hands in certain ways and say certain things and like that makes a lot more sense to me when it comes to practicing magic versus mm -hmm. just either you got it or you don't kind of thing. So. It's like a martial art. Yeah. You have to work at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, and one of the uh, main one of the main points of the show is that Aang has to find earth or bending masters to master the three elements that he does yeah. not know as well. Because he's he's like a master at airbending already. Yes. So he has to learn the other three. Yeah. Which normally he would have gotten in his avatar training, but because his training was cut short by his entire people being destroyed, yeah. uh, uh -huh. he had to go find them he himself. And that he was in an icicle for a hundred yeah. years. A hundred? A thousand? hundred years, yeah. hundred, yeah. Uh, I think it's a hundred or two hundred. I think it's a hundred because yeah. Zuko yeah. comments that he would be an old man, so they do yeah. think he's yes. still alive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And got trapped and then gets thawed. Like Yvonne of the Yukon, but less ridiculous. Yeah. That's such a so specifically Canadian deep Canadian cut. cut. <laughs> uh, for all of our Canadian listeners yeah. over a certain age, uh, shut up. Do you remember this show? <laughs> so expanding on the, the magic system, um, I really loved how it establishes these simple rules in the first episodes or even the first season and then it just sort of builds and builds and builds so yeah. it's not overwhelming sometimes no. you're tempted as a writer to sort of oh i made this awesome magic system i have to give every information all the information yeah. that i know about it to my readers all at once because yeah. it's so cool and they'll want to know and we do want to know but it's funner if you slowly yeah. drip that information to us and mm. so like so Avatar does it by sort of giving us the basics. At first, we only know water bending. Mm -hmm. We meet Katara first. Yeah. She bends water. And so we're like, oh, this is cool magic. Then we learn. I mean, the intro sort of fills us in on the four elements yeah. um, and, the, and the four bending. And so then we slowly meet other benders. Uh, we meet Zuko, who's a firebender. We meet Boomy, who's earthbender. Uh, is that all four? Water, air, fire, earth. Yeah. And uh, slowly learn different things mm -hmm. about them. And I really love how different they yeah. are. Mm -hmm. Like, waterbending is sort of these flowing movements, but it can also be used uh, combatively mm -hmm. and also as healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. I yeah. just loved, I loved how Katara um, wanted to be a warrior and she challenges the the water tribe to train her when yes. all women are only supposed to yeah that's what i was gonna say mm -hmm. like i also f yeah i found yeah. katara's especially interesting because of the whole kind of mm -hmm. all 
boldly say misogynistic trait in society for women to only be ever caregivers and healers and like hold yes. other people and never be the people to defend or protect or attack or anything like that, right? Like it's always kind of like a reactive state versus a proactive state. And she wants to be proactive with her magic instead of reactive. And like that whole struggle I found really interesting. Mm -hmm. I also love her character because she is such a caregiver, like mother type mm -hmm. character to the group. And yet she wants, she's a warrior who wants to learn how to use yeah. magic. And it's, it's that conversation of how you could do both. Yeah. Right? Like it's not yep. just mm -hmm. aggression and just attacking or anything like that. Like, believe it or not, women yep. are complex whole beings who are capable of multiple things at <laughs> once. So. And then you have firebending, which is at least the way Zuko d does it. It seems very like angry and combati combative yes. and doesn't yeah. seem to have much purpose beyond fighting because yeah. fire in its very nature is... Which I actually that found that interesting because fire, like when uh, now as a current society where we have all of these things given to us in many ways, right? Like uh, it's not, mm. we never have to learn how to make a fire by ourselves, right? Whereas for a long time, that was the, the difference between life or death right? Like fire was life-giving for a long time. So I always find, mm -hmm. find it interesting yeah. when um, worlds make fire default bad guys. Because I'm like, oh, well, for well, a long time, yeah. fire was the default <clears throat> life bringer, right? So. Yeah. And I mean, I think the way that we see firebending in the show, while yes, they are the aggressors, I don't think, I think that maybe that's more of a reflection on the fire lord yes. and the empire yeah, that he has yeah, created rather yeah, than yeah, firebending yeah. itself. Like, yeah. were were they being led by somebody more like, for example, Uncle Iroh, who is a mm. fantastic character and yes. is like the very, he's a firebender, but he's like a very like gentle, mm. peaceful, calm, wise man. If he were leading the Fire Nation, maybe we would see applications of it that are different, but like, like because of the tea. fire lord. Yeah. Like making tea. <laughs> yeah. So it is really cool to see the nature of magic being mm. influenced by the circumstances of the world. Yeah. And like you maybe think, oh, well, what, what else could it look like if this wasn't how the world was? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is very cool. And then you have. Um, oh, I had a thought, but I forgot. Uh, mm. and, which I really enjoyed the the book, the Earth book, when Aang starts learning from Toph because mm -hmm. he has the hardest time learning Earth because it's the opposite of air, mm -hmm. and you have to like mm -hmm. air is all air is all about movement and like getting out of the way and agility, and Earth bending is all about standing your yeah. ground and like mm -hmm. punching rocks, <laughs> <laughs> and I find that really fun. Um, I like that a lot. And mm -hmm. then and then after you learn all those basics, you get some rules that are broken. Mm -hmm. So in the first I, season, that's one of my favorite things. I yes, love that. my favorite things. I love that too. So in the first season, um when Katara goes on that Fire Nation prison ship, she learns the ship is all made of metal because it holds earthbenders and earthbenders can't bend metal. And then what do we learn in the later season? <laughs> because Toph is awesome. She's she's put in a metal cage at one point and she bends it and she becomes like yes. the first metal bender. She invents metal bending. Yeah. She becomes yeah. And then you also Oh my goodness. So awesome. <laughs> that, I I don't know. That moment yeah. just made me feel so happy. Like, yes, you can't hold her yeah. down, you know? Like mm -hmm. that was so good. Yeah. 
And they and all sort you... of, all of the magic systems have that. Yeah, yeah, because you learn um, Azula can lightning bend, which mm-hmm. is a form of mm-hmm. firebending. Um, water There's blood has... bending. There's blood bending. In the later Legend of Korra season, there's uh Ooh, do we want to do Legend of Korra? Do we want to do Legend briefly, of Korra spoilers? Briefly mentioning, <laughs> uh, there is lava bending, which is another form of earth bending. Yeah. So yeah. It, it just it just builds and builds. Um, so I, I want to try about I want to talk about why because normally we tell authors you set your rules and don't break them. Mm-hmm. So why do you two think mm-hmm. that breaking them works so well in this well, case? If I could have a moment. So what this series made me think of so much was of the X-Men as a giant X-Men fan, right? Where like, how far can you push it, right? Like Magneto giving someone a pill that has like extra iron in it and then being able to control their blood and kind of things like that. Like Mm -hmm. there are the, I think it's less breaking the rules and more pushing them to their absolute limit. And it makes sense. Like with water and bloodbending, that was my first question. With it's like we control water, like immediately, like in the yeah. first episode, I was like, "So you can control people, right? So you can control blood." Like you <laughs> oh my do goodness, I, I, my brain right? did not go there. <laughs> that was like my first thought. I was like, "Well, we're all water. Why can't you just like That's toss funny. people around yeah. like rain dolls, kind of thing?" Um, so I found it really satisfying because, like I said, it was it was less breaking the rules and more pushing them to their limits. And I think that's something mm. that authors need to take take into consideration is, are you thoroughly breaking the rule? Are you truly snapping it in a half and making sure it doesn't matter anymore? Or are you taking something and just like kind of stepping it towards this logical conclusion, like to the furthest reach you can mm. get that rule to work? Because then generally people will buy into it, right? Like I said, the example with Magneto getting people to like take iron pills and then being able to control them better. Yeah, that's a little bonkers and it kind of doesn't fit into the rules, but it's buyable. People will buy into it, right? Mm. And it's the same thing with bloodbending, at least. Like I said, for my experience was, well, people are made of water. Blood is liquid. Why can't we control blood kind of thing, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a little bit not the rule, but it fits just enough inside the rules that mm-hmm. I fall for it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think also it's, I, I think of something... So I believe, so everybody, or many, many people who are into genre fiction are familiar with Brandon Sanderson's mm-hmm. Laws of Magic, where he talks about like how he creates magic systems. And he differentiates between soft magic and mm-hmm. hard magic. Soft magic being where you don't really explain how it works. It's more like Lord of the Rings magic. You don't know a lot of the rules. It's kind of there. And then hard magic being like a lot of what Brandon Sanderson writes. Or what I would say Avatar also falls into this, where it's like the rules are pretty clear. Like, you know what they are. They're clearly outlined. And I think in a hard magic system, you have a lot more freedom to break those rules or bend those rules because you know what the rules are. So it feels less like a deus ex machina where it's like, oh, well, we didn't know that now all of a sudden you can do that. That's convenient. Where it's like, no, it to me, it feels more like a scientific discovery. Mm -hmm. Like it's like in seventh grade, you're taught, you know, there there are these circles of electrons that go around the like nucleus. And then in 12th grade, you learn that's not really true. Really, it's more like this weird, like, haze of, like, they're all flying everywhere and it's not the same thing, but now you're going deeper into it. And I feel like that's what this felt like. It's not canceling out those rules. It's just like, those are the basics. Here's the advanced stuff, you know? There's also also a difference between what 
the rules are and what you know that, that they are as the author and what the characters think yes. that they are. Mm, so mm-hmm. the characters yes. in Avatar think that earthbenders can't bend metal because that's what they know. Mm-hmm. So you're not actually yeah. breaking the rule when you inform them that actually metal bending is possible. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. they didn't know that. So I yeah. think that also makes it um, you're you're not actually breaking your rules. Yes. Yeah. So I will mm-hmm. say you still should not break the rules you put in place. Mm-hmm. But yeah. maybe the rules aren't what the characters think they are. So I think that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Brandon Sanderson is also yeah. really good at doing that mm. in his books. Like yeah. he'll have characters think certain things and then slowly build their knowledge and mm-hmm. uh, information. So that's yeah. that's a really fun thing to play with if you like playing with magic systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the like what Christiana said about it being like logical, I think also is a big part mm-hmm. of it, right? Because like if you if you found out that like you know waterbenders can also like fly, and it's like yeah, but that yeah. doesn't like where <laughs> yeah. what? But it's like oh, water is in blood. That makes yeah. sense. Yes. Like metal is found in the earth. That makes sense. Like yeah, yeah you have to have something that mm-hmm. connects it, or then it does start to feel like a just oh well, that was just a cheap thing to get yeah. out because they were stuck and didn't know where what I to think, do. Like. Yes not all magic can be a miracle I think is kind of like the thing that I think about Mm. a lot like if something Mm -hmm. is truly miraculous and way too convenient and it's like magically I'm suddenly able to vaporize people by giving them a little wink of my eyelashes kind of thing like that's not helpful and it won't make for a great story but being able to Mm. like I said with this story it's kind of at least a somewhat logical conclusion like trust your readers at least a little bit to give it some leeway as long as it still largely fits with the rules, you can, you know, push them to their limits. Um, but mm-hmm. it can't be a miracle mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah, yeah, then it just starts to feel like you don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on that same note, on that same note of building details slowly and slowly, I want to talk about one thing I love about this show is that it reveals world building details as they relate to character and we often don't talk about character so Mm -hmm. much on this show because it's not exactly a world building thing Mm. it's adjacent but it's adjacent but avatar combines the two for example um we start by learning about the water tribe but it's not just out of nowhere. We learn about the Water Tribe because it matters, because it's Sokka and Katara's home. Mm-hmm. So details about the world are revealed slowly through each episode, and each episode is very much centered yeah. on the characters, and generally they're learning something or growing. And so the world building starts really simple, um, just as the characters seem to be at first, like... There are four nations. Sokka is headstrong and funny. Katara is gentle. Mm-hmm. Aang is goofy. Zuko is angry. You know, yeah. just sort of these one-dimensional things. Um, and then the show slowly starts to build through character um, the world. And I just love how it sort of meshes those two things together and you can't really separate them. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way of writing your story because your readers are there for characters at least i am (laughs) maybe (laughs) not everyone is um 
But it's funny because I'm on a world building show. It's also (laughs) it's also a realistic way of people understanding worlds, right? Like if I like when I this is a random example. When I moved to Vancouver Island, I didn't read every single book and article there was about Vancouver Island and its terminology and the things that you know about it or whatever. It was through conversations with coworkers where they're like, oh, you haven't been to Shirley Delicious. You need to go to Shirley Delicious. Shirley Delicious has been around for 20 years and everyone loves the sausage rolls, right? Like, and then you learn a little (laughs) bit more about the island. And then when you go to Shirley Delicious, you find out the person who's been there has been working there for 30 years and everyone loves them. And you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you slowly, even in real life, that's how people learn about the world that they're existing in, right? No one sits down a five-year-old and is like, here's absolutely every single thing you need to know about planet Earth. It's learned <laughs> It's learned that, through meeting yeah. people and dialogue and experiences and things like that. So that's always, in my opinion, kind of like the default best way to explore a world is yes. through these relationships and characters and dialogue and situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. And yet sometimes people who love world building, and I've done this, just sort of spit all those world building details out on the page at once because yeah. they're cool and yeah. they made this world. Because you're excited. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay <laughs> for the it's, first it's, draft is too the like the draft, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you need to word vomit it all out and like get it all in one place, do yeah. that. Um, but instead of just having like nothing's worse than opening a book and it's like enter the world of Elythra and this person is so-and-so, and they're the throne a to A thousand so-and-so. years ago, there was a war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, a hundred years ago. Immediately, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. my God. Okay, so I have a whole chapter. Then the Earth Nation yeah. attack. <laughs> yeah. Or then the Fire Nation attack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, Avatar gets away with that in the intro because it's an intro. And it's, it's, and it's also show. so it's, short. It's the whole yeah. show is that. It's Yeah, yeah. 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 it's short. Um, if the show yeah. was just being told information like that, it would be yeah. awful. So Yes. Yeah. But I mean, also, sometimes I think that that is a good way of doing it instead of doing a prologue. Because, mm. like, they could have done a whole episode, right, showing the Fire Nation attacking, showing, yep. Yep. you know, the lead up to the war. And they didn't because that's superfluous. But you still need to know that information. So it's like sometimes having a little bit that explains it is we always say show don't tell but you know sometimes if it's telling is better you you know break the rules sometimes yeah. like sometimes you gotta tell because you don't want to see four chapters and of if setup it's, if, but the caveat <laughs> is if you can get it as tight as the intro to atla yes right? if you can be two sentences you can have then tell us two sentences in italics <laughs> before your first chapter where it's like earth air water fire they all lived in peace until the Fire Nation attacked. And then you go into your story. Like, that's great. You, you're allowed to do that. Yeah. Just don't do the whole. If you can put it in a haiku. Yeah. You yeah. You know, us. actually, <laughs> I feel like we should trademark that rule. Like, if you, you're, you're allowed <laughs> opening a story with exposition if it can fit in a haiku. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I do see writers complain a lot about the show don't tell advice because they're like, well, can I just never tell? And it's like, yes, of course you can tell. You have to tell. Yeah. Um, you, writing is a combination of showing and telling. But the but the issue, the reason why this is constantly drilled into people is because writers often tell when they should yeah. show. Yeah. Yes. So that yeah. so just understanding. Yeah. Why Nine that, out of why ten that times yeah. you're yeah. showing. <laughs> and it's uh, also like, yeah. imagine. What I like to think of when I'm writing with a show versus tell is imagine like a magic trick 
um, or like a, a phenomenal gymnastic feat or something like that. If I was talking to someone who could do that thing, would I rather them explain that thing to me or just do that thing for me? Right. And like, that's yeah. something that I think about a lot where it's like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes there is a situation where it's like, I can't possibly do this thing in this moment. So I just need to explain to you why this thing is happening. That's fine. But nine times out of 10, it's like, if you tell me you could do a bath backflip, I'd rather you just do the backflip, <laughs> you know, than, mm, than yeah. tell me you can. That's so. a, Yeah, that's a really good advice. Yeah. This seems like a good time to move to our proprietor's mm-hmm. pick. Ooh, I had a tricky time finding a novel to recommend that you might like to read if you like Avatar. Um, because I wanted something middle grade and I found there was... It's hard to find middle grade that has this such a large scope. And there there were there's a lot of novels that play with elemental magic. So if you like that sort of thing, there's a lot of like YA and adult novels that do that. But I wanted to capture the sort of the adventure and the kind of the the little kid kind of feel that's still fun for adults to read. Mm-hmm. And so I picked a graphic novel that I read last year. It's called Wingbearer. Written by Marjorie M. Liu and illustrated by Tenny Izekanian. And the novel is about a girl named Zuli, who is raised by mystical bird spirits in the branches of the great tree. And she's never ventured beyond the safe haven because she's never had to until now. When a sinister force threatens the life-giving magic of the tree, Zuli, along with her guardian owl, Frowly, must get to the root of it. She has to face an ancient dragon, the so-called witch queen, and most surprisingly of all, her true identity. So I read this and I just adored it. And I will say Frowly is- I was going to (laughs) say, even just off the name Frowly, I'm like, souls, Um, already my favorite. Yeah, I can't properly describe- the expressions that the artist captures that this owl makes in the graphic novel they're so funny like Uh, oh my goodness so i really enjoyed this it kind of captures the wonder and adventure of avatar and it also had i also found it had some D &D vibes and i love dnd you feel like that might be your jam um check out this graphic novel i really enjoyed it it sounds really Mm. good (laughs) yeah I definitely recommend it. Maybe we should talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some good world building in there. Hey, world builders. Emma here. It's halfway through November, which means that I, Ali, and Christiana, along with thousands across the globe, are deep in the throes of our National Novel Writing Month projects. To help keep us inspired as we write 1,600 words a day, we are going to be hosting our first ever Tavern live stream question and answer episode this weekend, Sunday, November 19th, 2023, at noon Central Standard Time. We'll be bringing some of our own world-building tangles to work out, as well as answering your questions. So, if you have a burning world-building question from your nano project, or any other world you're building, join our Discord and post it in our Ask the Barkeeps channel. Then make sure to tune in on the 19th. We'll be posting the link to the live stream on our Discord and on Twitter. Check the show notes for the links. Can't wait to serve you live on November 19th. And with that, everybody's favorite part of the podcast, Last Call, where we, your wise and illustrious hosts, will ask you some questions and give you some thoughts of what you can take from Avatar The Last Airbender to apply to your own world building. Allison, what do you think our listeners can take from the world building of Avatar The Last Airbender? 
pressure's on. Wise and illustrious. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> right. One of us is wise. One of us is illustrious. <laughs> you guys decide who is who. <laughs> one of us is just extra. Big. It's just the little guy. <laughs> But we won't tell you. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you, have to, you have to get it from our question. It changes every episode. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, my advice: think about how to reveal world-building details by how they relate to a specific character, preferably your narrating character or protagonist, because that's who you want your reader to be relating to the most. And I actually wanted to give you a suggestion of how to practically do this at a line level. So I pulled an example from mm. The Rise of Kyoshi, which is a novel that takes place in the Avatar universe by FCE. Oh, okay. So the Ooh. sentence reads, It had disturbed Jianzu to see crop fields so meager and balding as he'd rode through the countryside into town for the first time. Ooh. So this is a yeah. really simple sentence. Um, all it's doing is describing these crop fields that are meager and balding. And so the sentence could have been just describing them. The crop fields were meager and balding. But instead, it relates it to Jianzu, the narrating character, who and how he feels about them. And, and also places him in the scene because mm -hmm. he's riding through them. Mm -hmm. And so by orienting, orienting us to the character first and how the character is reacting to the scenery, it really encourages readers to actually pay attention to the description instead of just glossing over it because you're grounding it in this mm -hmm. character. So that is my advice and challenge to you. And this is something you can do in your second round. You don't have to do this yeah. in your first drafting, but something you can do in when you're editing, when you're self-editing, you can go through and see, okay, how can I ground this description with what the care with how the character is interacting with it instead of just stating it mm. that's my advice oh that's great that's advice good one. i like it i'm gonna say my advice is to spend some time reading up on when to show and when to tell so kind of like we were talking about how in avatar mm. things start off simple and then you learn more writing 101 is show don't tell writing 201 is sometimes tell yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of like <laughs> People have actually like talked a lot about this. So if you look it up online, there's a lot of like resources, discussions on sort of when to tell, when to show, if you're having trouble figuring it out. Um, a good rule of thumb is just, you should tell when you need to summarize something mm -hmm. and show when you don't need to summarize, when it's part of the story. But maybe that's a little bit, sometimes, you know, just hearing it one way doesn't quite sink in. So if you're still having a little bit of confusion or, or you're a little bit not sure when to do which, um, spend some time researching that. So I'm actually just giving you homework. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> Christiana, what uh, do you have to tell our listeners from Avatar The Left? Editor? I think my advice based off of this story is learning when to push the rules, never break the rules, never change the mm. rules. They need to be internally consistent. But if you have the opportunity to kind of push them to their limits a little bit and like put them a little further than maybe the characters would think they originally could go can sometimes have this really phenomenal payoff. So as long as it's internally consistent and you're not outright destroying the rules, push them a little bit. Push them past what the character mm. would expect. Oh, I mm. like that. 
Mm-hmm. Amazing. So those are our wise and illustrious thoughts to ponder <laughs> as you go out and build your own world. Um, but with that, it's got to be closing time. Thank you so much for joining us at the Tavern. We hope very much to serve you here again soon. If you just can't get enough and you want more content before we put out our next episode, you can find us on Discord. The link to that is in the show notes. We are also on Twitter, forever known as Twitter, at WB Tavern Pod. And on TikTok, you can listen to Christiana uh, and watch Christiana. If you're not sure what Christiana looks like, head over yeah. to our TikTok and you can see them. Uh, and our uh, username there is at World Builders Tavern. And of course, you can join our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash worldbuilderstavern for extra things like after hour episodes where we get together a little bit more informally and just chat about mostly the episodes but sometimes random personal uh stuff like what we named our cats after (laughs) so uh join us there and help support the podcast but with that i'm gonna tell you scram bye get out of here